Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Oh, yes. Hello, my friends, and welcome to this, another edition of the Underdog Football Show. My name is Josh Norris. His name is Hayden Winks. Hayden, buddy, what a weekend you had. The life in the hills in San Francisco. It got you good. 27 doesn't hit as easy, does it? No, I I enjoyed San Francisco. It's a place maybe I'll go back one other time. I feel like I got the San Francisco all I needed, and I came back with a decent cold. So this is basically my flu game. Right. Uh, I will be coughing on the show. Uh, apologize in advance. The mute button will be worn down during this episode. I appreciate it, though, Hayden, because this is an important episode. You know, we've gone through wide receiver rankings. We've gone through running back rankings. Hopefully everyone checks out those shows on YouTube, goes and checks out those shows on the podcast feed. Today, though, it is it's quarterback. It's the, the position that's most important in the NFL. And one, Hayden, I would add that has gone over a bit of like a, a change, a difference of opinion on just in terms of our reliance on the position where we draft them over the last few years. Yeah, typically like five, ten years ago, all the best quarterbacks in fantasy were your Peyton Mannings. But the, the game's changed because of the rushing upside, and that kind of just completely changed the entire landscape. There's fewer late-round quarterback options, in my opinion, because I think the market, especially on underdog, has kind of factored in rushing upside. So now it's just kind of who's going to be the best. And it's not just like automatic, oh, Lamar Jackson sitting at quarterback 18. Like, that doesn't exist anymore. So right. um, it's a nice blend of passing and rushing right now. And I think the moral of the story for underdog is we just want to be stacking these quarterbacks. So a lot of this is just I wouldn't touch Patrick Mahomes in the fourth round unless I had Tyreek Hill. So it's kind of hard to make these rankings because where do you slide in Dak Prescott if you haven't drafted Amari, Lam- uh, Amari Cooper or CeeDee Lamb? So that's a tricky part about uh, the quarterback rankings. Well, I'm going to force you to do it. That's what we're right. here to do. We're going to go through really our top 30 quarterback rankings here today. Everyone can go check them out. They are on underblog.underdogfantasy.com. And if you are new to best ball, if you are new to underdog, we've got to tell you that we have a tremendous promo for you. Deposit anything, skip the guacamole. You get 25 free dollars. And with that 25 free bucks, you can go over to best ball mania two and try to win a million dollars. I always say like the number one prize Hayden, I also want to bring up second place, 250K. Second place is more than last year's first place. Shout out Justin Herzig. Third place, 175K. Fourth place, 100K. All of you can do it. We are here to help you win money. So go on over and check out Underdog. All right, Hayden, quarterback rankings. Pull them up. Time to roll. Here we go. Our quarterback one, the public's quarterback one in relation to ADP is Patrick Mahomes. Yes, we saw him. The last taste of Patrick Mahomes that we got was the Super Bowl when he was trying to will his team basically single-handedly to victory. Since then, this Chiefs organization has heavily invested in offensive line, trading first-round pick for Orlando Brown, bringing in Joe Tooney, adding a bunch of other pieces along there to at least give some depth and obviously improve the starting talent. We know how good Patrick Mahomes is on his own. What else can we say about him as our quarterback one here? I would say that the one concern possibly is the the depth of the skill positions is really bad. Yep. Obviously, when you have Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, it doesn't really matter. They have the best duo in the entire league. But Patrick Mahomes, it's it's pretty hard to move off of the quarterback one ranking. He's been uh, second, sixth, and first in fantasy points per game over his three uh, three seasons. And even in 2017, when Alex Smith was a starter, he was fourth. So this offense is just totally locked in. So um, anywhere in like the fourth round is where I would start getting comfortable. But like we said earlier, it's only when I have Travis Kelsey or Tyreek Hill already on my team. So um, that's the tricky part about this. I wouldn't draft Patrick Mahomes in the third round, but if I drafted Travis Kelsey and he's sitting there in the fourth round, that's the decision where I start um, debating it right there. 
And I do want to bring up the overall ADP as we go along with these quarterbacks because Patrick Mahomes is going right at the end of round three at 36 overall right now on underdog. You mentioned that maybe a bit thinner at pass catchers than they have been in previous years. They tried to go out and get Juju Smith-Schuster. Maybe that comes back to bite them where they really didn't add that extra player. Maybe Cornell Powell, though, even though it's like a day three player, I know he's getting some hype in fantasy circles. I do want to bring up this maybe forgotten element. I mean, we saw Clyde Edwards-Alaire at LSU break records for SEC in terms of catching passes. I mean, last year, he got just 34 receptions. I wouldn't be surprised, Hayden, if we see him get around 55 receptions this year, maybe even over 500 yards, which would be double what he did last season. I, I think that that's an element of the game that maybe we see unlocked here with CEH in year two. Definitely could see that. And that's like the easy check down stuff that adds to Patrick Mahomes already outrageous passing numbers. So um, it's hard. It's hard to move him out of quarterback one. I don't think that he has the highest ceiling of this tier because I think like Lamar Jackson's best possible ranking is even higher than Patrick Mahomes. But he's by far the safest. When you've finished in the top six and three years in a row, you are in- immediately the safest quarterback in this tier. So that's why I don't want to be drafting for safety in round three, but in round four and Possibly if you can get him around five, that's where the upside comes into play, especially when you're correlating the offense. Now we go to our quarterback two, but the ADP's quarterback four, that is Lamar Jackson. You know, Hayden Winks, the difference between 2019 MVP Lamar Jackson and 2020, I wanted to find the answer to that question because I think it kind of haunts us potentially here to rank him so high up in relation to what he produced in fantasy points last season. And it wasn't really a difference in the number of attempts, less than 30 attempt difference, but it was 10 fewer passing touchdowns. I mean, the rushing stats were almost exactly the same. He did have 200 more rushing yards in 2019. And so I I tried to figure out why, and it wasn't necessarily that he was worse or even pressured more often last year, Hayden, what it came down to was that Lamar was just worse throwing from a clean pocket and maybe adding Rashad Bateman, maybe just, you know, improving in that area here in year three, really as a starter, we could see Lamar Jackson easily, I think, get back to again, this top two number at the quarterback position. When I watched the Ravens earlier this off season, the biggest takeaway I had is they had no short an intermediate passing offense. And that was a product of Marquise Brown trying to be that at some times and having Willie Sneed and Des Bryant and Miles Boykin. These guys couldn't get um, open by themselves. And I think that the, the passing coordinator, there was some weirdness with that as well. But we've said it multiple times. I think that Rashad Bateman is perfect off that. That is where Rashad Bateman won in college. All of the slants, in-breaking routes, out-breaking routes. I think that Rashad Bateman's presence is a big deal, and I'll throw in Sammy Watkins as the number three. I think that's even an upgrade there. So I think you're going to get Marquise Brown in a position that he's actually good at downfield. He doesn't have to worry about these shallow crossing routes. Let Rashad Bateman do that. I think that you're going to see a more consistent passing offense, and that's why I think you and I are both higher on Lamar Jackson than the market. Getting Ronnie Stanley back will be absolutely massive. Again, he was pressured 7% more often last season, but just making the – the throws that are there from a clean situation and improving the skill position players like you just mentioned, it's a big difference. And I'm not saying that this is the reason why we're shifting him up, but Nick Boyle, if we think back to 2019, played a ton of snaps and then missed all of last season, basically. So, you know, they only are on 11 personnel, 47% each of the last two seasons. So Nick Boyle basically being a starter in this team and getting him back on some level can at least help with blocking as well. Um, I do want to add, though, Hayden, like in relation to 2020 fantasy points per game scoring, Lamar Jackson doesn't belong in this group. I mean, we're going to get to them. But after Patrick Mahomes, it's Kyler Murray, it's Dak Prescott, it's Josh Allen in this tier one. Lamar Jackson was the quarterback eight in fantasy points per game last year. Should we have any skepticism that he can reclaim his throne as a tier one quarterback? Well, he either had the first or second most fantasy points per game ever the season prior. So, like, do the average between half of the, both of those, and all of a sudden, like, he's back in this tier. So, yeah, I mean, last year was a, a little bit of a concern. I'm not expecting MVP Lamar Jackson, but I think that he will get better just being a more consistent passer in the pocket, especially in the clean pockets. 
I just think he's going to have, instead of throwing the ball to Miles Boykin and Des Bryant, he's throwing it to Rashad Bateman, a first-round talent. We have Kyler Murray and Dak Prescott tied for our quarterback three spot. Let's start with Kyler, since he's the public's quarterback three. Uh, they have tried to add pieces around him. They did very that very well last offseason with DeAndre Hopkins, and it was an instant success from a production angle. Um, now you bring in A.J. Green. You bring in Rondell Moore. Hayden, it's a team that we questioned Cliff at times, but he was also, you know, led the league in 10 personnel usage last season for wide receiver sets. What's your view of Kyler and of this offense here with Cliff in 2021? Well, I think the the skill group's a little bit better. The offensive line might be a little bit better. I think you're going to see the Cardinals have a step up in their passing game. I do think that Kyler Murray is probably going to run a little bit less. I think Mm -hmm. once the Cardinals offense really starts to click if they're not going to have to be force feeding Kyler Murray, all these scrambles, of course, Kyler Murray is one of the most dynamic players in the entire NFL. He's going to have plenty of rushing productivity. And that's why he was fifth in fantasy points per game last year, 11th a year prior. He's a very safe prospect or uh, fantasy quarterback here. He's got tons of potential. I do think that the Rondale Moore, AJ green, Christian Kirk now paired with Deandre Hopkins. I think that is a pretty decent wide receiver core, especially for this offense. I'm pretty curious how, Rondell Moore, I think you talked about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire having a lot of cheap catches for passing yards for Patrick Mahomes. I think Rondell Moore and Chase Edmonds are going to do very similar things for Kyler Murray. And if you eliminate week 17, Hayden, he was number two in fantasy points per game last year, really just behind Dak Prescott when we talk about long-term starters. I need to mention Rodney Hudson because if I have really a major critique of Cliff Kingsbury, it's a lot of the blocking schemes they have up front with the design of the plays that they're running both in the passing game and in the running game. And Rodney Hudson seems to be one of the most intelligent uh, anchor blockers in the NFL. Maybe he can you know, have some real input when it comes to that. But I also want to bring up the rushing. You mentioned it. Thinking back to last year, inside the 10, inside the five-yard line, it was one of the best weapons across the league. One of the most indefensible plays was Kyler Murray, his shiftiness in those tight quarters and creating touchdowns. In the opening nine games before he had his injury, he had 87 rushing attempts, 604 yards, and 10 touchdowns. In the final seven games, post-injury, just 46 rushing attempts, 215 yards, and one touchdown. That is a drastic difference. I mean, if we get early season Kyler, the first nine games of last year, he has a legit shot at the quarterback one title this season. Absolutely. And like if you've drafted DeAndre Hopkins in round two, I think that Kyler Murray makes a lot of sense. Like what, round five? Um, Yeah, I I think that the Cardinals offense is going to be better this year. I think Cliff Kingsbury got a lot of crap this offseason. I think rightfully so. There were some brutal parts of their passing offense, but I think adding a little more talent at wide receiver is going to help that. Maybe Kyler Murray has another step he can take in year three, too. So Kyler is your quarterback three. My quarterback three, but the public's quarterback five is Dak Prescott. We've talked about this before, but he was the quarterback one in fantasy points per game. Only played four and a half, but he averaged 27.73 fantasy points per contest. In those four full starts, averaged 50 passing attempts, 34 completions, over 420 passing yards, 20 rushing yards, three total touchdowns per contest. I mean, Amari Cooper finished the year as the wide receiver 12. In four games with Dak, he was the wide receiver five in fantasy points per game. C.D. Lamb finishes the wide receiver 14. In those four games with Dak, the wide receiver 20 in fantasy points per game. I mean, this is a situation that if the offensive line stays healthy, I don't even care if the defense is necessarily better the quote-unquote chasing points, you know, on the scoreboard. I think this Dallas Cowboys team is set up to be the number one total offense in the NFL if it's not going to be the Chiefs and if it's not going to be the Ravens with their hybrid run pass game. The Cowboys have been number one in pace. That's been the big difference is not only are they passing the ball a ton because they're typically like chasing points because their defense is so bad. They're also, it's just them and the Cardinals in pace by themselves in their own tier running way more plays than anybody else. And, of course, they probably have the best three-receiver set uh, in the NFL right now, too. So Dak Prescott was first in fantasy points per game last year, third the year prior, and then 13th and 14th the two years before that. And I was super impressed. In over 30 games with Amari Cooper, Dak Prescott's averaging 307 passing yards per game. That's a sample size of basically two full seasons. So uh, Dak Prescott, I'm, I'm expecting a full rebound here. I'm not really too concerned about his ankle injury. We've seen some clips of him moving around a little bit already. 
And I think that is an injury that he can pretty much overcome. He might not rush as much, but yeah. like I said, it's it's the passing. It's the passing upside. I mean, averaging 300 yards per game with, with Amari Cooper, that's really impressive. And look, I don't know if that defense is good enough for them to win a ton of games, maybe even make the playoffs. So that might hurt MVP chances. But Dak is plus 1,700 right now, which is after Lamar, which is after Josh Allen, which is after Aaron Rodgers, which is after Patrick Mahomes, so on and so forth. But he can put up the numbers. He can definitely put up the numbers. Dude, Dak is so freaking good. All right, we close out Tier 1 with our quarterback 5, but the public in ADP, their quarterback 2. So we might have some explaining to do here, Hayden Winks. It is Josh Allen. Is it as simple as repeating last season over again that we aren't sure if it can necessarily happen? Again, we love him. It's difficult to be negative about any of these quarterbacks, and it really matters who we pick based on the stacking that we have already started with them. But in terms of repeating 2020, which was a fantastic year for Josh Allen, the play caller is back. The offensive line is back. The weapons are back basically back and I'm not going to say they necessarily improved from John Brown to Emmanuel Sanders, but if anything, it's kind of all equal. I would say the one thing is Josh Allen's done it for one year, maybe one and a half years. And basically the rest of these, this tier one has done it for multiple seasons. So I think if you look at my top 250 overall rankings, which I'm waiting for Josh's by the way, uh, two through five <laughs> are basically right next to each other. So this is a situation where if I've drafted Stefan Diggs, then I would draft Josh Allen over Kyler Murray and over a Dak Prescott. Uh, but just in basic rankings, I think that I have him fifth just because he's done it for the shortest amount of time. And then the other thing is he has eight, nine, and eight rushing touchdowns in his three seasons. That is insane. Mm-hmm. Um, he's done it for three straight seasons, so maybe this is his baseline. But you don't see that very often. And if if the Uh-oh. Bills... For, we got a frozen Hayden Winks. Go ahead, Hayden. Uh, if, if the Bills have... Uh, want to kind of save Josh Allen for the long term. Maybe they don't want to use him bulldozing into the goal line as often. So that would be the other concern. But this is not like a show to be like talking crap on Josh Allen. No. And the other reason that he took a major step forward was his, his deep passing. I mean, in last last year, he had 12.6% of his passes went 20 plus yards down the field, 12 touchdowns, five interceptions. Compare that to 2019, which was without Stefan Diggs, 14 14- of his passes traveled 20 plus yards, only four touchdowns and three interceptions. I mean, through eight more touchdowns in the deep area of the field, he truly went from one of the worst deep ball throwers in the NFL to one of the best in the NFL. So again, we will find out which one of those is true. And I'm leaving leaning so much more towards what he showed last season. Um, We mentioned total ADPs and that is important here when we're talking about quarterbacks where you select them. Josh Allen is right near 48 overall, so right near the end of the fourth round. I do have a question, though. Like, let's say stacking is not involved, and you're just constructing a roster, constructing a fancy team out there in season-long, in best ball, whatever it is. Again, Patrick Mahomes' ADP is of 36 overall, and Dak, in terms of the public, he has a 59 overall ADP. So those are like kind of the bookends here to this tier. Which one would you most likely be exiting a draft with? Dak Prescott, those wide receivers where Patrick Mahomes is being drafted are really, really good. And I think once you get closer to Dak Prescott, that's when you're getting into like, I think it was our tier three or tier four wide receivers, like your Cortland Sutton area, maybe a little earlier than that. Um, So yeah, I I think it's just an opportunity cost situation. And Dak Prescott has just as high of a ceiling as Patrick Mahomes does um, in that offense. So I think that you're shooting for the upside and I would just rather get, wait until like the fifth round in general for quarterbacks. Yeah, like if you're looking at wide receivers around where Patrick Mahomes is going, it's C.D. Lamb, it's Mike Evans, maybe even Terry McLaurin, it's Julio Jones and D.J. Moore. If you're looking at running back, it's you know it's David Montgomery. And then if you go down to where Dak is being drafted, the wide receivers are T. Higgins and Kenny Galladay and Brandon Ayuk. And then running back is you know Kareem Hunt and Miles Gaskin. So that's kind of the difference. That's what you're giving up in order to go get Patrick Mahomes at the top. All right, Hayden, that is Tier 1. Let's answer a couple questions before we get to Tier 2. Here's one from Tom. Again, we are live on YouTube every Monday through Thursday, 1230 Eastern. Be sure to check us out, especially on Thursdays, the giveaway gauntlet. It's back this Thursday with Nick BDGE, Nick Ercolano, five NFL questions, five niche topic questions this week. It's actually Entourage. And the goal is to give you all 10 Best Ball Mania 2 tickets. So be sure to be in the chat, 1230 Eastern on Thursdays. 
What if CEH gets more rushing touchdowns, which we know he absolutely failed at? I talked about this in the Bill Barnwell show. I think he had six carries inside the five-yard line in just week one of last season. Does that take anything away from Patrick Mahomes? I brought this up on a previous show. Just I think the Chiefs are going to involve a little more power rushing, something they have not had for multiple seasons. I think that, uh, especially at the goal line, when you bring in Orlando Brown, like you're not going to like use him. You're not going to not not use him at the goal line. So I do think that CH is going to get some positive touchdown regression that could take away a little bit from Patrick Mahomes. That's why it's in general. Like I, I don't love Patrick Mahomes in round three, best quarterback in the world by far. But I think that he belongs around four and only in round four when you're stacking. All right. Now let's jump down to tier two. It is headlined by really last year's breakout player who established himself as maybe the best young quarterback in the NFL. And his name is Justin Herbert. We have him as our quarterback six. He's an ADP of quarterback six. What is there not to love here? Especially Hayden, as we've talked about, it cannot be overstated just how big of a jump it's going to be from a maybe even great coaching staff, even a competent coaching staff to what Justin Herbert has dealt with in the past. And beyond that, it's the offensive line. They brought in the first round tackle. They've brought in some veterans. They already have uh, their right tackle fixed last year. So, I mean, they're basically four or five decent starters across the offensive line. When's the last time you've been able to say that about the Chargers? Basically ever. And the coaching staff, same thing. So you have a elite young quarterback with decent weapons, with a decent offensive line and a coaching staff that I'm very optimistic about. And he was already eighth in fantasy points per game at quarterback last year. So um, you get a little bit of dual threat with Justin Herbert, 16 rushing yards per game. He is somebody like a Josh Allen who can be used in the red area if they want him to. But it's it's that deep passing. He's super accurate. He was a good decision maker. These were some of the things that we had some concerns about coming into school or into the NFL. But last year, I mean, he answered all of those. And when you have Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and this play caller, Austin Eckler out of the backfield, it it is very hard to get away from Justin Herbert in this tier. Arguably improved, like you said, at left tackle, left guard, and at center. I mean, he did all the difficult stuff and made it look easily, namely versus pressure. I mean, he faced the most pressure dropbacks in the NFL last season, 206. And guess what? He had the most success in the NFL versus pressure as just a rookie, as someone who 10 minutes before kickoff was said, here you go, go play against this team. And he is just an absolute baller. Um, My only question is with this target tree, I think we forget that Hunter Henry had 93 targets last season, second on the team. I'll be interested to see how they replace those. It's certainly not going to be one for one with Jared Cook or, or Donald Parham. We've talked about it on a previous show, though, like in those crucial situations, Game-winning situations, red zone situations, clock winding down, having Brandon Staley as the person that is in charge versus, you know, Anthony Lynn. I just trust Brandon Staley's brain, his mind, how he thinks. Someone doesn't move up in the NFL this quickly and get that much respect from his peers who is not going to be able to handle this quarterback and Justin Herbert. I was so wrong on Justin Herbert coming in the NFL. You know, the vast majority of people will say that as well. And I, again, I'm not sure if I would take another young quarterback ahead of him right now just from starting the team. Yeah, it's it's Mahomes, and then it's like you're getting into your Justin Herberts. Like it's like for the next five, ten years, like that's like the the conversation that he's in. He was that good. And then talk about those pressure stats. Uh, obviously, those can be noisy historically. Yeah. But the way that Justin Herbert stays in the pocket and he's so tall and he's got such a good arm. Yep. To me, that is more stable than your undersized quarterback that was getting lucky against pressure justin herbert had so many touchdowns last year where he was getting absolutely crushed in the pocket but he's so damn tall and he has such a good arm that he it wasn't really phasing him and you're not going to see him under pressure that often just because the offensive line and the coaching staff um i'm very worried that we've talked so positively about the chargers the entire (laughs) offseason but this is the year i promise this is the year Look, it's better to talk positively about the Chargers than the Jets, which is a, a trap I've been falling into. Yes. Uh, I, I'm with you. Like, again, it might not be sticky versus pressure each, each and every year, but guess what? He's just not going to have to face pressure as often, and that's going to help. It's going to help tremendously. And if you missed it, go back and listen to our wide receiver ranking show, and Hayden has convinced me on Mike Williams having a very, very good 2021. Hayden's best, biggest value in wide receivers right now. All right. Our quarterback seven. ADP of quarterback seven. That is Russell Wilson. Not sort of negatively here. 
I think he left a little bit of a sour taste in people's mouth. And that is kind of being overlooked where we are in the cycle at this moment. You know, for years, it's felt like we've placed blame on the offensive line. I would actually say their offensive line was fine last year. Like it was respectable. And it was actually Russ is the one who maybe let them down at times. It started off so positively. I think things were going on behind the scenes. And that's why now Hayden, they have moved on to a different play caller in Shane Waldron who comes from that Cal Shanahan, Sean McVay tree. Yeah. It, but even with some of these, like that, those uh, like the pressure stuff and like some of the inconsistent play, that's been like Russell Wilson forever. And yep. he's still been seventh, fifth, 12th and second in fantasy points per game over the last four years. So I couldn't rank him much lower than where we have him here. Obviously the big concern is, um, through the first nine weeks, the Seahawks, they had a 60% neutral pass rate. That was top five uh, in the NFL. And then from week 10 on, that dropped all the way down to 50%. So I think you're going to see more uh, the offense be closer to that 50% ring, which means that Russell Wilson's going to have some weeks where he only throws the ball 20 to 25 times. But even with that, uh, Russell Wilson's still very good. He's an imperfect quarterback, but he's still one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And I think that with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, uh, it's hard to rank him much lower than where we have him here. Yeah. You know, when we were talking about Kyler, I think we mentioned that like the short stuff over the middle might not be like exactly where he thrives. I think Russ, the quick game and the scripted stuff has not always been where he thrives as well. Again, we know nothing about Shane Waldron as, as a play caller, but if we know where he's come from, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo had a 2.57 seconds to throw last season. Jared Goff, 2.76 seconds to throw last season. Russell Wilson was all the way at the top at 2.97 seconds. So he likes to hold on the football. So can Shane Waldron force him into those scripted plays? If a wide receiver is open, will Russ pull the trigger? Or does he have that tendency that is baked into him to make plays? But that's fine. We're not necessarily caring about like if he's exactly doing what the OC does because he's going to put up points for us. Anyways, all right. I think this one can be pretty quick. Uh, our quarterback eight, but the public's quarterback 11 is is Aaron Rodgers. Hey, now, I, I think we're just banking on Aaron Rodgers playing a football season this year, period. And it doesn't even have to be the Packers. If it's the Broncos, sure. Like, he's still going to be a top 10 quarterback. So, like, I think the market is factoring in uh, a higher percentage chance of him retiring. But I think that's pretty low, uh, yeah. that he would be forfeiting a lot of cash. I know Aaron Rodgers is rich, but like $35 million is a lot of cash. I don't care who you are. Um, and he's been fourth, 13th, ninth, and sixth in fantasy points per game uh, over the last four seasons. So uh, he's not going to have the season he had last year. A lot of those stats are going to be regressing. But even with that, he would still be a top 10 quarterback. You're going to get a ton of spiked weeks. So um, I guess the only thing that we're saying is he's not going to retire. And the market thinks that there's a chance that he does. We are well ahead of consensus on Matthew Stafford. He's our quarterback nine. He's going right now as the quarterback 12. Simply put, Jared Goff could not keep up with Sean McVay. I think it's really that simple when you boil it down to one thing. He had a meltdown in the Super Bowl. He had a meltdown against the Miami Dolphins last season. What we've heard from Jordan Rodriguez, shout out, uh, on this show is that Matthew Stafford is going to allow this offense to activate every eligible receiver out there. And really, he's going to allow this team to be far more aggressive. Jared Goff was seventh shortest in the NFL in terms of his intended air yards to the sticks, in terms of how often he's attacking that first down line. He was right around Dwayne Haskins and Cam Newton. They had to set this team up to win after the catch. Guess what? Matthew Stafford can do that but he can also be the seventh most aggressive passer when throwing towards the first down line like he was last season with a much better unit around him, which the Rams have. And Jared Goff's been a, a borderline quarterback one in a couple of these years too. And I think the biggest difference for Matthew Stafford is obviously Sean McVay doing all these wonders, but Jared Goff's been top five in percentage of passes coming on play action. Meanwhile, uh, Matthew Stafford over that same four-year period has been 26th, 15th, 33rd, and 29th in percentage of passes coming on play action. So you're going to see more downfield stuff from the Rams. You're not going to see as much hand-holding um, by Sean McVay. And I think that Matthew Stafford, if his arm is ready, there were some times last year where that shoulder seemed to be bugging him and he was kind of in inconsistent with his accuracy. As long as that's squared away, I think that the Rams' offense is going to be very good again this year. So I think that 
Matthew Stafford's upside is capped because he's not going to be running the ball at all. Yep. But I think that he has uh, potential to have like top five to top 10 passing numbers this year. Absolutely. And from a skill player standpoint, it's all there for him. You have Cooper Cup and Robert Woods who can win in the short to intermediate game. Van Jefferson is a great third wide receiver in that role. Then you bring in D Jacks. You have Tutu Atwell to really take the top off stuff. And Tyler Higby is a great receiving tight end. You add in Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson who are explosive behind him. We keep bringing it up, but just the lack of offensive line depth. And they have someone playing center this year who I don't think has ever played center in the NFL. Those are absolutely all questions. But I also feel like, and maybe this is just me walking down narrative street, Hayden, that if there weren't, you know, five quarterbacks selected in round one this year, Matthew Stafford getting traded and the upgrade that's going to give Sean McVay to unleash what he wants to do would be getting so much more publicity than it is now. But it happened so long ago. It happened before five quarterbacks went in round one that it's flying under the radar still as weird as that says. And at quarterback 12, where he's going, we have him much higher. We think he's one of the best values on this list. Period. And that division is going to have some shootouts this year. When you got yep. the 49ers, Cardinals, and Seahawks, you're going to get in some crazy games um, in the NFC West this year. We have Jalen Hurts as our quarterback 10. He's going uh, He's going as the quarterback 8, if I can get that out. Um, he's the only one on this list, Hayden, who has legit rushing ability. We talked about that, and so many of those names are, are in the top of this group. In this tier, in tier 2, he's the one who can get you points each and every week. With his feet, does that mean we have a few concerns about him lasting and succeeding in the other elements as well? I love Jalen Hurts. I had a, a late uh, round one grade on Jalen Hurts because I saw like this kind of avenue happening. But he is a very inconsistent passer. Um, I will say that the the Eagles receivers were like bottom ten. Like all four of them were bottom ten in uh, yards per route run versus man. And I think that Devonta Smith is going to really help out that passing game and probably going to help out Jalen Hurts in the intermediate and underneath part of the field. Uh, so it's just really basically betting on Jalen Hurts uh, lasting the entire season. I think that the Eagles want to give him a full season. They yep. basically have nothing else to do and they're kind of tanking anyway. So if, if Jalen Hurts is playing okay ball and they're still losing games, I think that the Eagles are perfectly fine with that. They're building this roster for like 2023 right now. Uh, and I think that Jalen Hurts He's such a good dude off the field. I think that he's kind of won over the locker room in the front office. Yep. That They're not going to treat him poorly. I think that Jalen Hurts is probably going to start most of the season. So it really just comes down to, can he pass the ball at all? I'm kind of on the fence there. I also believe we're at this area of the NFL where if you can you know, read the defense pre-snap, understand who your isolated receiver is in the slot or the outside and lob up the football to them, which I thought Jalen Hurts did a really good job of last year and his wide receiver made some plays for him in those areas. Then a competent, a good, a great offensive coordinator can build an offense around you. I mean, he would have to play horrifically bad for, for Joe Flacco to get starts this year based on performance. Right. Yeah. I, it, I mean, it's, it's that simple. It, it's pretty clear that they want to see what they have in Jalen Hurts this year, get through a season, and then reevaluate it as they go along into 2022. Um, I also feel like the public is believing that the Eagles are going to be bottom three or, or bottom five in pass attempts this season. I mean, last year, if we look at it, the Ravens were worse in the NFL, or I should say the lowest in the NFL with just 406 attempts. The Titans and the Patriots have 485 and 440. We had Shio Kapati on the show, and he said somewhere in the middle. So, like, it might not even be in the 400s. It could be in the 550s, the 560s, the 570s. And if that's the case, I think that raised the ceiling for Jalen Hurts. The completion percentage might still hover around 60% or 63%. That raised the ceiling, I think, for Dallas Goddard and, and for Devontae Smith. But, again, I don't know if all those pieces are being drafted as if we're going to be middle of the road in passing attempts this season. Yeah, I would guess they're going to be like 23rd or so in okay. pass attempts this year. I'm kind of in, in between. I don't think they're going to be I, – I think that the roster is too bad to be that low. Uh, and I think that the Eagles are going to want to play a little up-tempo with Jalen Hurts when you have a rushing quarterback. I think that helps a little bit. I do want to point out, if you're looking at last year's stats, he had a couple really long rushing plays, which you can factor in a little bit. But I don't, I don't think it's as easy as just like copy-pasting, oh, he averaged X amount of rushing yards in the next season, especially because in – Two of his starts, it was against the Cardinals and the Cowboys who play faster than anybody. So you're seeing all this. Um, I think last year's stats was kind of like 
a perfect breeding ground for where his rushing totals are going to be. And it's not going to be that electric. I don't think he's Lamar Jackson per se as a rusher. I think he's a tier below that. So uh, maybe that's why I'm like a spot or two below, but he has top five upside. Like there's no questions about that. Let's close out our tier two with Tom Brady. We have him as quarterback 11. He's going as quarterback 10. I mean, the Bucks were the least impacted by injuries in the NFL last season. It would be very shocking if that maintains year over year because we know that that has some variance to it. Um, I will add, though, that after the bye last season, Tom Brady figured out exactly what this offense was going to be. So did Byron Leftwich. So did Bruce Arians. And they're all back. And in fact, they might even be better. They could all be better if we get that for an entire season with Tom Brady not declining somehow. Uh, quarterback 11, this might seem like one of the safest picks at quarterback in the whole draft. Yeah, you mentioned it. it those eight games after the Week 12 bye, Tom Brady averaged 22.6 fantasy points per game. That would have made him the quarterback seven over the entire course of the season. And I think that that split makes some sense to use because that's when Mike Evans and Chris Godwin were starting to get actually healthy and you had Antonio Brown in the offense as well. So I, I'm with you. I think he's one of the safest quarterbacks in fantasy, um, even though that he's getting old. I think that's those TB, TB12 pills are just too good. He's probably going to play uh, at a high level again this year. And he was the quarterback 11 last year. I think that there's a case to be made that Tom Brady is even a slightly more productive uh, now that they have the offense figured out. He's not learning anything new this year. We should have ordered you some of those TB12 pills for uh, for today. I, know. <laughs> um, I, I think that their skill player group, like their pass catchers, it's absolutely deep. You add in Giovanni Bernard, who I think immediately becomes the best pass catching back on the team right now. Not to jinx them, but it wouldn't be like if Mike Evans goes down that they get considerably worse or if Chris Godwin goes down or Gronk or whoever. I think if Tristan Wirfs, their stud right tackle goes down, that will be the single most impacted player that changes the offense outside of Tom Brady, but we'll see. The, the, I mean, the one thing with Wirfs though is he's like one of the most athletic dudes in the he's NFL, so good. and he's so young. Like he would be like one of the least likely offensive yep. tackles to get injured. So yeah, the Bucks. And, and I saw another. I think this was Jack Miller posted um, weeks 15, 16, and seventeen, which is the underdog fantasy playoffs. The most important weeks for fantasy in general. The Bucks and the Chiefs by far have the highest implied points over that stretch of the season. So. Um, we're not breaking any news here, but stacking the Chiefs and the Bucks this year <laughs> seems like would be a decent idea. Pretty good idea. All right. Before we get to tier three from the chat, that Bucks schedule is electric. I'll bring it up right now. We have the Bucks facing the Cowboys in week one, then the Falcons, then the Rams, then the Patriots, then the Dolphins, then the Eagles. Um, I mean, those first two contests and the Cowboys and the Falcons, the Bucks could get off to a roaring start when it comes to production early on. All right, here we go. Tier three, Hayden Winks, and is headlined by Joe Burrow, who the public loves at quarterback nine. We're a bit lower at quarterback 12. Why might we be slightly down? I think the biggest thing is the rushing production, and this was what Joe Burrow said. He said, I don't know how mobile I'll be yet. It's too early to tell. If I'll feel normal evading the rush and doing all that, but I'm optimistic. I feel good right now. We'll have to wait until see camp. Uh, see how it's feeling. And then I'm really doing everything at this point. I'm just trying to get my legs stronger. It's hard to say how explosive I'm going to be in the run game as of right now. So that's a red flag for me uh, a little bit. I do think that the Bengals are probably not going to pass as much this year. When you get Joe Mixon back in the lineup, uh, I posted these splits on neutral pass rate for the Bengals. When with Joe Mixon in the lineup, their neutral pass rate was at 60 or 56 without Joe Mixon. It was up all the way at 67%, and that's only using the Joe Burrow game. So that's a pretty big difference. I think that the Bengals' offense, if it's just a little bit better, they're not going to have to pass the ball as much. And I think that um, for me personally, since I'm higher on Joe Mixon, I also probably can't be higher on Joe Burrow, especially with the uh, knee injury. I wouldn't be surprised if the like all throughout September – the Bengals are more balanced than we're used to. It's not going to be like as easy as it was last year when the Bengals were throwing the ball 50, 50 to 55 times a game. A few things. Very excited to learn who Zach Taylor is this season. I think it's set up to finally understand who he is as, as a play caller. Um, you mentioned it. Joe Burrow was quarterback 11 in fancy points per game last season when he was healthy. An average offensive line would do wonders for the Cincinnati Bengals offense. 
I think as we went along, you know, it's so difficult to project and like see necessarily what translates from college to the NFL until you see it on an NFL field. Well, for Burrow, I, I think it was his arm strength at best. It's probably average, but I also think Hayden, he plays within himself. You know, like if a window isn't there, he's not going to force it into that window. He's going to check it down to hopefully now Joe Mixon or, or Tyler Boyd underneath. And then we saw him be, you know, partially maybe because of that arm strength, not a very good deep passer last year. I'd also say it's probably because of the blocking that was set up by the offensive line coach that is now gone. And maybe because they didn't have a player who was great in this area of the field, but you bring in Jamar Chase to help alleviate that. And the two were outstanding on 20 plus yard touchdowns at LSU in, in 2019. My only thing we brought it up last year, Joe Burrow had some rushing upside of about like 20, 25, maybe a touchdown here or there coming into the NFL. That's probably all disappeared now with this knee injury. I think at least earlier on the season, maybe late in the year, Joe Burrow's balling out and his knee's feeling better. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of ease him in. Like the Bengals right now, they're not trying to make the playoffs this year. They're yeah. trying to save their franchise, play the long game. If they're using Joe Burrow on like all these read option stuff and like him scrambling around, I don't think that the Bengals want him doing that. Uh, in year one removed from a torn ACL plus. So uh, I, I think that just that little rushing upside, uh, bringing back Joe Mixon, I think that those things are the reasons why I'm a little lower on Joe Burrow. And I, I'm totally cool with us ranking Tom Brady over Joe Burrow. I mean, we're just banking on most likely one of the best teams when it comes to wins and losses in the NFL, which means they put up more points than you on the scoreboard versus maybe one of the worst teams in the NFL. We like the Bengals. We think they're going to take a step up, but they are – absolutely in the dungeon when it comes to AFC North odds in terms of winning that division. That offense still might be good, a la maybe the, the Cowboys last season, but I would still want to have Tom Brady on my team than Joe Burrow on my team. In Joe Burrow also has to play the Broncos and the Ravens in the fantasy playoffs. So, I mean, that's not great. There we go. Ryan Tannehill, our quarterback 13, everyone out there. It's their quarterback 13 as well. He put up quarterback 10 numbers last season in fantasy points per game without Taylor Lewan, with A.J. Brown missing a handful of games. Um, sometimes hiring from within works out. But I, I don't think we can overstate how much of an impact Arthur Smith made last year when it came to red zone success. And not just last year, but also in 2019. They were number two in that touchdown percentage in 2020, number one in 2019 by 10 full percentage points. We care about those four-point plays because it gives us five or six points attached to Ryan Tannehill and his arm. If they even go from a top two group down to league average, that's a significant drop in Ryan Tannehill's output this season. I will say they got some dudes in the red zone. Like, uh, like A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, Derrick Henry, Like, there's not a better red zone threats like I would I would be assuming that the Titans are going to be top five top ten in red zone production even though that's a really noisy stat like I feel pretty comfortable like when you got alphas like that um, so that's why I have Ryan Tannehill like right with the market um, I think that he's going to be another have another very efficient season uh, I'm slightly concerned with the Arthur Smith uh, departure but when you bring in Julio Jones who was awesome last year um, I'm feeling pretty pretty good about that so um, he's proven two straight years that he is a borderline quarterback one. So I'm going to be drafting him like that. Yeah. He threw 33 touchdowns last year. AJ Brown obviously took 11 of those, but then all these players are gone. Now, Johnny Smith had eight. Corey Davis had five. Adam Humphreys had two. We know Julio Jones can come in and hopefully take some of that. Um, I'm just fascinated to see what this Titans team does. So, all right. Trevor Lawrence up next, our quarterback 14, ADP of quarterback 14. This team has so many options. I mean, they're, they're kind of loaded at skill players if what we think of them is right. I mean, DJ Chark, Marvin Jones, Travis Etienne, James Robinson won leagues last year. You add in LaVisca Chenault, who's had a great spring and summer, it feels like, as a legit wide receiver. You have all five offensive linemen coming back, and while they might not be great – they are respectable, and you bring in potentially the best blocking tight end in football in Chris Manhurts as well. Success immediately for this offense, coupled with a very good play caller, competent at worst, in Daryl Bevel. It's, it's there for the taking immediately, Hayden. And Trevor Lawrence is an insane athlete. There was a couple of plays last year where he was like running away from like five-star linebackers 
he's going to be kind of a better athlete than Joe Burrow. And Joe Burrow, we were talking about, has that underrated rushing upside. Uh, this dude's got has a chance to run the ball um, in the red area as well. So um, I, I think that if you look historically, Ohio State's kind of up tempo. They want to like really get the ball moving too. So um, I, I'm not going to be out here like trying to rank Trevor Lawrence lower than the market. Like that right. seems like a terrible, terrible, terrible idea. So um, I'm there, right there with the market. If I've drafted Chark or LaVisca, then Trevor Lawrence is right in play for me. I think he's a great tier. And we have him just above Matt Ryan, who we'll get to in a second. But this is like, a, I'm not going to say cliff after that, but you have everyone who's been proven in the NFL and Ryan Tannehill and Tom Brady and, and a bunch of the names that we've discussed who are week in, week out starters are going to put up numbers for you each and every week. And now we put Trevor Lawrence um, in there. And look, we like argue right now on Twitter, on podcast, everywhere else. Like, well, is DJ Chart for real? What is fact 2019, 2020? What's Travis Etienne's role going to be? Is LaVisca going to be, you know, a contributor this year? All that can be debated. What can't be debated is maybe that Trevor Lawrence is the one who's going to benefit from all that because he's the one who's going to be dealing the football to all of them. All right. Our quarterback 15 going as quarterback 16 is Matt Ryan. Uh, We knew that Julio Jones was going to exit this team. But while I talked about that Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown and everyone else, you know, benefited from Arthur Smith's wizardry inside the 10-yard line, inside the 20-yard line, it's going to be a massive jump probably that Matt Ryan gets. I mean, in 2019, the Falcons ranked 25th in red zone touchdown rate. 2020, it was 26th. A jump into the top 10 would be massive for Kyle Pitts, Calvin Ridley, and Mike Davis, and maybe most importantly, Matt Ryan. The, I had trouble ranking Matt Ryan because his ceiling is like so definitely capped right now um, as a passer. Even if Kyle Pitts is a baller, it's going to be tough for him to be a top eight fantasy quarterback. So that's why I went with like Trevor Lawrence and even Trey Lance for best ball mania too, shooting for a little more upside. I think Matt Ryan in like a standard redraft league makes more sense. Mm-hmm. But I think that in best ball mania too, I think that Matt Ryan's ceiling is pretty capped. And I think I would rather take the absolute dart throw of a Trey Lance or uh, Ryan Tannehill. So um it's kind of just depends on what format you're in. Cause I think that Matt Ryan's going to be a baller again. He's so consistent year after year. And I think that Kyle Pitts paired with um, the coaching staff upgrades going to kind of maybe not fully cancel out losing Julio Jones, but I think that's somewhat canceling out. I do not want to be using the on off splits for Matt Ryan uh, historically without Julio Jones, because yeah. those years Kyle Pitts didn't exist. Kyle right. Pitts was a walk on at, at Florida at that time. And Arthur Smith, wasn't the play caller. So I think that using those on-off splits is hurting you. I think that could be somewhere in between that. And for me, that makes Matt Ryan kind of a mid-range quarterback too with kind of a lower-ish ceiling. And Calvin Ridley has emerged as a top 15 wide receiver in the NFL. And Kyle Pitts can just be that monster in those scoring opportunity uh, areas. Yeah, I mean, it also might just be Matt Ryan and Julio just were not good in the red zone historically as well. Like that pairing, something just doesn't click in that area of the field for them because we know just the splash plays that Julio and Calvin and Matt can make like in between the 20s. So uh, we're going to see the fingerprints immediately for Arthur Smith on the seat. That's for sure. We next have Trey Lance and Justin Fields back to back. Quarterback 16 and quarterback 17. I, I want to start with this question, what would be the difference? Because we'll have a lot of listeners just playing season long with their buddies at work or college or all that kind of stuff. Is there a difference between drafting Trey Lance and Justin Fields in season long leagues versus best ball leagues? Massive, massive, massive difference. If I was just doing redraft leagues, not tailoring this for best ball mania too, I wouldn't have Trey Lance anywhere near this. There's some uh, downside risk of him not starting as many games, but for best ball mania too, his upside is like, Absolutely insane. Top five uh, potential, especially when you factor in uh, the late season schedule for the 49ers, the Bengals, the Falcons, the Titans, the Texans. Those are his last four games before you get into uh, the final week of the season. So um, everything is right there for Trey Lance for the taking, especially in this format. Um, I think that you can get away with like going Justin Herbert and then Trey Lance, getting somebody bankable, then drafting Trey Lance for the upside but I think in redraft, if you're going into this, the year with Trey Lance as your quarterback one, 
that's probably too risky. But I think in this format, when you can start uh, the, the best case scenario of either quarterback, I think that he makes more sense in best ball. Another question. Uh, we know the structure lately has been take a, four running backs and then load up on other positions. We view, obviously, quarterback and tight end as onesie because you're going to start one of them. But you might have, you know, one to two picks in round 17 or 18 or a little bit before then to play with. If you take a Trey Lance, if you take a Justin Fields, just because we don't know when either one is going to start, we've got mixed messages from both organizations. Should you consider taking three quarterbacks when drafting each? It would depend who the first quarterback was. If it's like Patrick Mahomes and Trey Lance, like I'm set. But if it yeah. was... Ryan's handheld and Trey Lance, I'd probably get a third a third quarterback. Right. Um, all right. Let's talk specifically about Justin Fields and I, excuse me, Trey Lance. And I'll say this quickly. I, I think there's a chance that the 49ers could have an avenue to the number one offense in the NFL. Like if Trey Lance is so good, which Kyle Shanahan clearly thinks he does, I'm not going to say passing offense because I don't know how many opportunities they're going to have. But you just watch Brandon Ayuk. We've all seen Debo Samuel you know, force every other team across the league to try to find their own Debo Samuel. You have an offensive line now that has two tremendous tackles. Trent Williams was incredible last season. You have George Kittle, and you have a quarterback now who can keep up with his OC, just as we said with Matthew Stafford and Sean McVay. Again, I think Trey Lance is going to start early, like week one early, that has not been said yet. And I also think there's an element here, Hayden, as soon as both these quarterbacks are named the starter, they'll probably jump a handful, if not two or three, in ADP at the position as well. I'm not even sold that Trey Lance is going to like start many games early in the season. Like, And I still have him ranked that high because just like in this format, you have another quarterback to get you through that September and then late in the season when the rookies – like really start coming on. That's one thing that we haven't really talked about is like just like post by rookie bump. Like I say it all the time, but in best ball, when you're trying to win, uh, all the money goes to how you did in the playoffs. And later later in the year, that's when the rookies really start coming on. I wouldn't be surprised if Trey Lance doesn't start early in the season and goes off late in the year. And even if that's the case, you're still very happy that you drafted him here. And like you said, there's a chance that he gets the week one start. If that's the case, it's a full-on Yahtzee. Full-on Yahtzee. What about Justin Fields? Uh, I would say that words from Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy point to Justin Fields maybe sitting longer than Trey Lance. I mean, they certainly seem like they want to mimic this Alex Smith baton handoff to Patrick Mahomes. I would suggest they do not do that because you are not Andy Reid. You are not in a great situation and not a play caller. You're not a playoff team, really, unless Justin Fields potentially is out there. Um, but we know just how electric he can be with his arm throwing down the field and obviously that 4-4 speed. Uh, Justin Fields here is our quarterback 17, and he's being drafted as quarterback 17. I don't feel great about this, to be honest. Me like, either. I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of nervous about it. I almost want to move him down a tier, but like I love Justin Fields so much that I would I would really regret if I was like lower uh, on him. But like, this is this is the format to draft Justin Fields. I would just really prepare. I would go three quarterbacks, or I would only pair Justin Fields with an elite quarterback, yeah. um, and then hope for the upside. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Andy Dalton like actually starts like five, six, seven games. It, and it's because I don't trust Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace, and that's the difference for me because I, I I trust Kyle Shanahan. I don't trust these two guys. You know, it's, oh, it's frustrating. I mean, but when he gets in, Hayden, like we've seen these rookies as soon as they play, Justin Herbert last season was the late round quarterback that no one drafted because we didn't think he, he would start. Um, I mean, Lamar Jackson put up some points toward the end of his rookie year. So as soon as these guys come in, they're going to rack up points. I just don't trust this organization at all. I mean, but I will say, I will say like Darnell Mooney is an incredible wide receiver two for an NFL team. I'm not sure about that, but just the difference between Justin Fields and Justin Herbert is Justin Herbert wasn't being drafted quarterback 17. So right. um, this is a situation where like, if you're not doing best ball rankings, I would have Justin Fields way lower. And if you're just doing like projection rankings, how many points uh, Justin Fields can score, he's nowhere near this. This is purely an upside late in the year ranking, which I think is good to have and kind of adjust for the format you're playing in. But I'm a little nervous. I actually do think that uh, Dalton's going to start early on. Hmm. Oh, it's tough. Um, and when you consider when we launched Best Ball Mania 2, I think Trey Lance and Justin Fields were going as like quarterback 25 and quarterback 28. Some of those teams you're competing with 
to get him all the way up quarterback 17. Just a ton of layers to think about here. But again, this also might be why the barbell or dumbbell strategy of drafting now some and then drafting as soon as we have a bunch of information one or two weeks right ahead of the season when starters are declared for week one. Uh, that's going to tell us a lot about Trey Lance and Justin Fields in regards to where they're being drafted right now. All right, let's now go to tier four more answer. Since there are a couple questions here, we didn't really talk about the rushing upside for each as well. I'm trying to find where that is because both do. Um, I mean, Trey Lance is more of like a power runner. We know that as soon as Justin Fields opens up his gate, he can run away from people. I'm not saying that Trey Lance is like a Cam Newton-like power runner. We're not going to get like that rushing upside from him ever, but the element is there for both for sure. Trey Lance was recruited to be a linebacker by Minnesota. Like he's yep. going to run right over you. Like he's an insane athlete. And then Justin Fields, we've posted the clips of him outrunning Trey Sermon and a lot of some like some DBs out in the open field. So um, yeah, the, the rushing upside is why we have him ranked so high, and we have him ranked over Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson's going to have probably more fantasy points than Justin Total. Fields over the season. But how many usable weeks? How many times is Zach Wilson going to have a top twelve week? I would take the chances that Justin Fields, because of the rushing upside, uh, he's going to have possibly more uh, top 12 quarterback weeks this year. Hayden, just want to say I appreciate you. I see it in your face right now. You want the show to end as quickly as possible. You are powering through this. The chat appreciates you. Everyone, be sure to leave a thumbs up, subscribe down below to just show Hayden how much you appreciate him as well. And again, I want to reiterate, go and deposit anything. Skip the guacamole. Get a free 25 bucks if you use promo code the show on underdog. Go put it in Best Ball Mini too. Go win first, second, third, fourth, fifth, maybe all of them. Go win all of them. All right. Tier four. That's a lot of red. That looks mean when you put it up like that, Hayden. We started off though, and we won't go through everyone on this, but we started with Baker Mayfield. Again, I, I am just so impressed by what Kevin Stefanski did last season in terms of immediately instill the identity of the team that he wants. Baker Mayfield posted respectable fantasy points certain weeks last season. It started off kind of rough, um, but that was really without Odell Beckham and in year one of that offense. It could be as good, if not better, this year, Hayden. They're the best offensive line. All five of them return uh, this year. You add Odell Beckham, you get another year in the offense, and maybe Baker Mayfield takes another leap. Um, his upside is very capped because of the balanced nature of the offense. I'm not expecting that to change at all. And I think that the Browns defense is going to be way better this year as well. So um, I think this is kind of just like a floor play. I think I would only draft Baker Mayfield if I was stacking him, but I do think that he'll probably have better numbers than he did last year. There's also like, there was a couple games in like October, November, where it was like 40 mile an hour wins and rain and like the worst case scenario. Um, so after adjusting for Odell Beckham, this an, another year in the scheme, these win games and I kind of moved them up from like quarterback 24 to like quarterback 18. Yeah. Some weeks he just wasn't needed in, yep. in those elements. And he only averaged one and a half more fancy points per game than drew lock did last year. But uh, as a team, as a team with one, the most complete roster in the NFL, dare I say that about the Cleveland Browns, uh, there's a lot of positivity entering the year. Uh, we've talked a lot about Ryan Fitzpatrick, how Scott Turner, you know, has done really good, Things with NFL offenses, Antonio Gibson, Terry McLaurin. Now you add in Curtis Samuel as an outside receiver. Ryan Fitzpatrick, how rocky we kind of view him. Hayden, in terms of fantasy points, he might be someone who is, quote-unquote, better in best ball. Can we say that at the quarterback position? Because there are some potentially spiked weeks ahead of him in the NFL season. Yeah, my, my measure right now is to get you to rank Ryan Fitzpatrick over Baker Mayfield in your rankings. I'm doing uh, that right after this. If you, if you look at Ryan Fitzpatrick, <laughs> over the last three years, he's been 19th, 19th, and 5th and fantasy points per game. I think that his skill talent th this year is pretty pretty good, probably pretty underrated. I think that Scott Turner is very good for fantasy production because he plays so fast, and he likes to sling the ball out. Um, I think Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to have some spiked weeks um, against the Cowboys and the Eagles' defenses. And I think that if you just look at like how well he's done over the last three years, it's pretty impressive. He's not just like some – like fringe starter i think that he's better than just a fringe starter i think he's an actual legit starting quarterback and i think that he's got more upside than baker mayfield and kirk cousins because i think that the washington might pass the ball more than those two offenses 
Kirk Cousins, um, we talked previously in much higher tiers about Tom Brady, about Ryan Tannehill, about Justin Herbert, about Lamar Jackson. Kirk Cousins checked in just after all of them in fantasy points per game last season. That defense was absolute trash. He had Justin Jefferson post the best receiving numbers for a rookie ever. Um, that offensive line's still good. Dalvin Cook's still there. You still have both of those pass catchers on the outside and inside and Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. Uh, we are just in line with Kirk Cousins where he's going right now. Can we just like, as a human race, not give enough respect to Kirk Cousins in terms of fantasy football formats? I, uh, I mean, he's so unlikable. Like that's like, I, I don't know. I don't know what it is, man, but uh, he's been 12th, 18th, 16th, and 9th in fantasy points per game over the last four years. The offensive line's probably as good as it's ever been for Kirk Cousins, and he's got two legit wide receivers. So um, obviously his upside is capped by the the offense just in general, but I think that he's kind of earned the respect of a efficient passer, um, some somebody that can have some spiked weeks when game scripts go crazy. But you'll never rank him as a quarterback one in a yep. week. He's always going to be a quarterback two. So if you drafted Justin Jefferson or Adam Thielen, then I think that Kirk Cousins makes sense in this area. Nice. All right, the rest of this tier, Tua, we have as quarterback 21, Carson Wentz, 22, Sam Darnold, 23, Daniel Jones as quarterback 24, and Jameis Winston as quarterback 25. Before we close out this tier, Hayden, any of those names you want to talk about? Jameis Winston, 8th, 15th, and 18th in his three years as uh, a fantasy quarterback. And then Drew Brees, obviously, is way better than Jameis Winston. He's been uh, top 16 in each of the last four seasons. So there's a path where Jameis Winston uh, is the starter. It's just way better than Taysom Hill. Um, Sean Payton just fixes Jameis Winston. He has a little bit of a ceiling. But I think you can say that about Tua, Wentz, Darnold, and Daniel Jones. All of them are super inconsistent. All of them could be very bad this year, but I would guess that one of these five uh, becomes like a borderline, like quarterback one at times this year. Just there's, there's paths for these guys, whether it's uh, dual threat production or if just the offense is playing better than expected, or if they take uh, a rebound year this year. So I think that this is a pretty interesting tier. Mm -hmm. If you drafted, let's say going back to our previous discussion, Ryan Tannehill with Trey Lance, with one of these guys, that's your quarterback three build. And I kind of like Jameis Winston the more I think about it. I'm the lowest in regards to where they're being drafted on on Daniel Jones. I have him as quarterback 26. Uh, I know they've surrounded him with talent. I truly believe this season has to be a career-defining year for Daniel Jones. I mean, there are no more questions when you talk about skilled players. They bring in, obviously, Kadarius Tony in round one. You go and add Kenny Galladay as the number one pass catcher out there in free agency to go along with all the other names they still had on the roster. Um, one, I'm nervous about Jason Garrett. Two, I'm nervous about Daniel Jones in relation to him being pressured and how he just has blinders and turns the football over. And three, I'm nervous about that offensive line. I mean, Andrew Thomas had a roller coaster of a rookie season despite his draft capital. You bring in Matt Pert, who they've invested a lot in at right tackle as a third round selection. And then there's no more Kevin Zeitler there in the middle of that offensive line. Uh, I think his weakness again is his inability to hold onto the football in those crucial situations. And that might be the biggest weakness of this offense as well, other than the play caller. So I'm just a bit down on Daniel Jones, but he also, I mean, I don't know if we give him enough credit for the splash play ability that Daniel Jones brings as well with his legs and obviously throwing down the field in contested situations as well. So. It's the decision making. He he has fantasy appeal because he's kind of a dual threat and he does throw a pretty nice deep ball. But it's just the decision making, and when you pair that with a really bad offensive line, it's hard to get too excited. I will I will say that that skill group is way 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 better this year than it was last yep. year. But we're I mean we're talking about uh, what do you have like eleven touchdowns last year? Yep. So like even if you factor that in, it's it's hard to see like a massive ceiling with him. And. To his credit, he does give his wide receivers chances to win, maybe sometimes because he holds the football a bit too long. But we know that Kenny Galladay is just an absolute machine in that area of the field. All right, quickly, let's just run through the names that are on Tier 5. Tier 5, and then we'll close out this show so Hayden Winks can go back to sleep and get some more rest. It's headlined by us, by Zach Wilson, going as quarterback 25. We have him as quarterback 26. 
We talked about all those rookies. Other than Trevor Lawrence, guess who's going to get the most starts this season, barring injury? It's Zach Wilson. You. It's your turn now, Hayden, to talk up the Jets. Why? Like, why should I do that? Like, okay. <laughs> I mean, like, we'll we'll see. Like, we'll see. Zach Wilson can sling the ball a little bit. It's a massive jump for an uh, undersized guy to go from BYU and play your size Texas State. Yeah. I mean, come on now. Like, I don't know. I'd like to see it. I'd like to see okay. it. Quarterback 27 for us, Ben Roethlisberger, 28. Derek Carr, just throw the freaking football to Henry Ruggs. Quarterback 29, Mac Jones. And right after him is teammate Cam Newton, 31, Jimmy Garoppolo. We close it out here at quarterback 32 with Teddy Bridgewater. Um, the Mac Jones-Cam Newton dynamic is one that we're going to see a massive change, I think, in ADP. Well, I guess not too massive because you can't really drop down too far besides there. Uh, on who gets named the starter around week two or week three of the preseason. Again, they're not going to be a team that is going to be you know, top five in pass attempts, top 15 in pass attempts. But Phil Perry on this show talked about how they might be mirroring the Cleveland Browns approach in 2020. And the Browns still, you know, were bottom five in pass attempts, but still had over 500 last year. I think Mac Jones can still do work and more work in the passing game than Cam Newton can. Yep. That's why I think he's going to start a lot of games. When I, when I watched Jacoby Myers, there was a lot of bad passes by Cam Newton. Like it, it was just tough. Well. It was just tough to see. So yeah. Um, maybe Cam Newton's arm is feeling better. That would be the big difference. But if Cam Newton, his arm feels like it did last year, it would be, I would be betting on Mac Jones starting most of the games this year. I just hate my verbiage towards Cam right now because I'm just like his biggest fan ever in his career. It's someone who, while other people criticized, I had to defend because he's always been a true pocket passer, a great thrower of the football, um, but it's just gone. I really think it's gone now. And just, I remember talking to you, talking to the other guys on our previous show, like they were excruciating weeks to watch with Josh McDaniels having to like manufacture touches to like Julian Edelman and people near the line of scrimmage. You can't have that at quarterback anymore right now. And that's why you go and get a quarterback in the first round in Mac Jones, who can hit receivers that you create separation for. Um, and just the mismatch they want to create at tight end. All right. I think that closes out here. Hayden for our quarterback rankings. Again, you can check out the full list on underblog.underdogfantasy.com. You can actually upload Hayden's rankings, just Hayden's for now, into Underdog if you want to draft by them. They are quite different than ADP. They will be very interesting. If any of you go in and experiment with those, hit us up on Twitter, at Hayden Winks, at Josh Norris. I'd be interested to see how your draft turns out with those. I'll have mine up soon. Hayden, haven't been feeling well. <laughs> haven't been feeling well, you know? Uh, <laughs> and then we'll also have consensus ones up there as well. Again, go and deposit. Go try Underdog. It's great in the desktop. It's great in the app as well. We'll be back tomorrow. The Giveaway Gauntlet chat. Thank you so much for being here. Like and subscribe. And everyone like the video. Come on now. Yep. Like the video. Everyone listening on the podcast feed, rating reviews. Hayden got us over 200. The more the merrier. Helps us out tremendously. All right. For Hayden, I'm Josh. Up the villa. Whoa, whoa. Talk to y'all soon. See ya.